Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast of the Books and Arts section of the Weekly Standard. And this week, I'm looking at the January 5th, January 12th combined issue of the Weekly Standard. And our section begins with a essay by the distinguished uh, literary scholar and critic Marjorie Perloff about a book with a arresting title, Literature is My Beat. Literature is spelled L-I-T-E-R-C-H-O-O-R. A Life of James Laughlin, publisher of New Directions. Um, James Laughlin, uh, that's a quotation from a, uh, something he once said, and or wrote, I should say, and he liked for comic effects sometimes to spell things in a particular way. Um, And James Laughlin was a sort of classic gentleman publisher of the old school. He came from a wealthy family. um, uh, And after after Harvard, he uh, um, used that family money to found a publishing imprint, which uh, still exists, entitled New Directions, which became... Really, the in some respects, the publisher of choice for a lot of the uh, uh, avant-garde literature of the twentieth century, um, poets such as Ezra Pound and William Carlos Williams, um, uh, French poets Baudelaire, Mallarmé, Rimbaud, um, and of course um, writers um, such as Dylan Thomas, who. Um, had no profile in the United States until New Directions took them up. Um, but it's it's a, an interesting book about an interesting man, um, and it tells us something about the uh, trajectory of American publishing in the 20th century. And, of course, it's all done um, with a kind of uh, a sweep and um, authority that only someone like Marjorie Perloff can... Furnish. So it's a, it's really a fascinating piece, and um, uh, I'm sure you will enjoy it very much. That is followed by a, a delightful little essay uh, by Tema Ehrenfeld, who frequently writes on science for the Weekly Standard. Uh, and this is a book entitled Planet of the Bugs, Evolution, and the Rise of Insects by Scott Richard Shaw. And um, this is a... Uh, of course, we all know about the general supposition that uh, when the world ends, it will be inherited by um, uh, insects in general and cockroaches in particular. But the the sort of complex lives and and fascinating statistics, sometimes startling statistics about insects, are uh, enumerated here. And um, I learned a great deal about them, uh, and I might say um, a great deal about them that made them more interesting than the fact that there are trillions and trillions of them on the planet and that they have some extraordinary capabilities. Um, So if you have any interest in the the sort of hidden world of our insect neighbors, uh, let me recommend Tema Ehrenfeld's uh, piece to you on this interesting book. I should have mentioned, by the way, that the, um, the book Marjorie Perloff uh, reviews literature is my beat a life of James Laughlin publisher of New Directions um, 
It is published by Farrar, Strauss, and Drews, and the author is uh, Ian McNiven. After Tema Ehrenfeld's uh, piece on bugs uh, comes a review by Gabriel Schoenfeld of The New Censorship Inside the Global Battle for Media Freedom, which talks a little bit about the relation um, uh, of journalists and the media to um, uh, terrorism of particular interest, of course, both with the rise of the Islamic State and the um, shootings uh, last week at the Charlie Hebdo offices in Paris. The book makes the point that whereas uh, journalists tended to be of some use to terrorists in the past, um, they would permit um, much sought-after interviews. They would use journalists to disseminate their their views and their demands. Uh, in the age of the Internet and the new media, what one might say, um, journalists have become far less uh, strategic to terrorists and except for use occasionally as um, on-camera victims. Uh, so the ever-evolving relationship between the press and um, terrorism is explored um, very interesting in this very interest in a very interesting fashion in this new book by Joel Simon from Columbia University Press. Then we have a um, review by Jonathan Marks of a book entitled "Aspiring Adults: Adrift: Tentative Transitions of College Graduates" by Richard Aram and Josepha. Rokes, it sounds uh, terribly dry as dust, and I suppose uh, any book about higher education is bound to have, to some degree, a, a limited audience. But it's it's an interesting um, examination of what exactly a college education um, has evolved to in modern times, um, how much time undergraduates spend in class, how much time they spend studying or writing papers, how much time they spend reading. Um, and as you might imagine, the the statistics are not encouraging. That's uh, All that has been on a downward trajectory as we contend with the changing nature of education and, of course, the rise of um, alternative media and whatnot. But what all this means for the equally uh, changeable economy and the employment prospects for college graduates um, is another matter. And of course, one might ask further the question, um, not just how valid is a liberal arts education, but since such a high percentage of Americans now go to college, what is college doing to prepare them in a practical sense um, for postgraduate life? We have an essay by James Seaton, um, who teaches English at Michigan State and frequently writes about literature for our pages on the selected letters of Willa Cather. Willa Cather, of course, the great um, American novelist of the late 19th, uh, early to mid 20th century, um, best known for some of her um, novels such as O Pioneers or My Antonia, although I have a particular preference myself for some of her stories. But her letters, um, there are about five or six hundred letters in this volume, and what surprised me was the extent to which they range over um, a vast um, array of subjects, 
and give us insight not only into Willa Cather herself, who was a somewhat enigmatic and um, uh, self-protective individual, but also uh, very interested uh, not only in politics but in current affairs and her comments on um, such desperate things as World War II and uh, movies and so on, um, so both surprised and uh, intrigued me. Um, that is followed by a review of a show at the Smithsonian American Art Museum. Uh, the, the review is by Amy Henderson, and the show is on Richard Estes, who is a um, probably, I would guess, the, the preeminent uh, exemplar of hyperrealism in American art. His, you look at his paintings, which tend to be although they're not exclusively urban landscapes, and um, it's difficult to uh, distinguish them from photographs, but they have a kind of, a kind of, um, at least to my way of thinking, a very Hopper, Edward Hopper-like feeling. They're just done in a in a uh, photorealist um, technique. A very interesting work and a very interesting piece by Amy Henderson. And uh, John Podhoret's film review this week um, is not so much about the movie, which is entitled Beyond the Lights, directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, but his um, conviction that the young actress, um, young, well, she's 31, British actress, um, who stars in the movie, um, is the most unforgettable thing about it, and John predicts um, great things for her in the future. She has the a wonderfully um, unforgettable name of Gugu Mbatha Raw, hyphenated, and she is um, the primary reason, according to John, to go see Beyond the Lights. So I, of course, will implicitly take John Podhoritz's advice and do so and see if I agree with him. In the meantime, I thank you very much for joining me for this talk, and I look forward to speaking to you again next week about our next issue and our next Books and Arts section. Thank you again.